Well, a year and a half ago, Kelly and I had a week alone, just the two of us. First time since, since we'd had kids. It was great. And we decided to take one of those days, uh, while sitting by a pool in Mexico, no less, um, and sort of chart out our core values as a family. I mean, we're kind of weird like that, uh, but it was, a, it was a really good exercise, and we, we spent several hours thinking about what, what is it that we really want our family to be characterized by? What do we want to define us as a family? So we worked several hours, you know, and we left excited and motivated. It was great, except for one thing. We haven't looked at it since. That was a year and a half ago. Now, on the one hand, if we truly value those things, it doesn't matter that we wrote them down, right? I mean, if we value them, we'll do them. But, I mean, it's a little bit optimistic, isn't it? Uh, because it's, it's one thing, you know, to, to figure out what you value, what you dream up for your family when you're sitting by a pool, you know, and another, what you actually experience when the chaos, chaos of life sort of settles in, right? Because here's the deal. What you value determines how you live, but at the same time, how you live demonstrates what you value. Right? Are, are you following that? What you value determines how you live, but also how you live demonstrates what you value. And so what, what do you value? What do you treasure in your lives, with your family, at work, at school, whatever area of life, what do you value? And what do you value at church? What do, what do we value together? I mean, at Christ Community, we believe, it's a fairly big statement, but we believe that the local church, as God designed it, is the hope of the world. That that, that is who he has called and equipped us who follow Jesus to be. That we, in a very real sense, we are to be the physical representation of our Savior here on this planet. That he's entrusted us with that. And that, that when Jesus said, in, in the passage of scripture that Lindsay read just a moment ago for us, that when Jesus said, I will build my church, he was talking about each of us who follows Christ and who have been called together to seek him. And if that's true, if we are together, not individually, but together, called to be the hope of the world, what we value is really important. And so this, this morning and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to change things up a little bit. In fact, if you, if you are new this morning or you're, you're a guest here with us, it's just going to feel a little bit different than normal. We're, we're glad that you're here. Um, and in some ways, this is the perfect week to visit because we're going to kind of pull back the curtain um, and look at the things that make us tick as a church, the things that we are most passionate about. Uh, but it's going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be sort of a normal sermon, okay? We'll get, we'll get back to that um, rhythm uh, soon enough. But we wanted to take this time, and we think that it'll encourage you. Uh, regardless of, of how long you've been a part of this church. And so on behalf of our elders, we're going to take these Sundays to share who we are, what we value, and where we think we're headed, where we think God is taking us. 
If this is your church home, I know for many of you that's the case. If this is, you know, we hope that you will, you will leave these Sundays excited, more passionate than you've ever been to be who God has called us to be and to, to be that together here in this place. And again, if you're a guest, we hope that you'll find that this could, this could be a place that you can make home as well. Uh, we'd love to have you join us. Well, Christ Community uh, began 23 years ago uh, in an apartment building uh, by our senior pastor, Tom Nelson, and his wife, Liz, who, who simply had a, a heart for our city. Now, obviously, a lot has changed since then, right? 23 years ago, um, we, are, we are now a, a thriving institution that, that spread across four different locations throughout our city. And even though much has changed about who we are, the things that we value most, the things that we are passionately pursuing together, those things haven't changed. Uh, but together we are growing more and more excited about refining what that looks like. And thousands of people, I mean, truthfully, have, have been impacted by God's work uh, through his people, his church, um, for his glory. And I'm regularly stunned, personally, personally, that God has, has called me uh, to, this, to this church, to be a part of Christ Community. Uh, many of you know that I, I started at Christ Community when I was a senior in high school, 15 years ago, um, and have been a pastor for these last seven, um, and I consider myself incredibly privileged. Um, I love this place. I love you. I love that we get to do these things together. We get to serve Christ in every possible way together for the good of our city and for the good of his glory and the furtherance of his kingdom. And I believe that, truthfully, I believe the best years are yet to come, that God is continuing to, to show his faithfulness so that we can uh, continue to do what he's called us to do and make a difference in the lives of those around us. We have yet to see what God can do through people who are wholly committed to him. And again, much has changed since we started, but not our values From the very beginning, our mission statement has been to be a caring family of multiplying disciples, influencing our community and our world for Jesus Christ. That's that's who we are. And as as we think about what we value as a church... I want you to think about it in, in, a, certain, in a certain capacity here, okay? Because if, if this is your church home, don't think of it like, this is what the church I go to values. That, that's the wrong way to think about it. Think about it as this is what we together, as God's people called in this place, these are the things that we love together, that we value together, that we are passionate together, because each of these things that we're going to look at, even though we're going to talk about them in a more collective sense, if you follow Jesus, these ought to be the passions of our lives, our hearts, our, our work, our school. Every area of our lives ought to be touched by this. This isn't merely some sort of theoretical statement about what a church might value. This is about what we who follow Jesus here in this place love the most, want to give our lives to passionately. Okay, so are you, are you with me so far? Okay, I think so. Well, what are they, right? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here, take a little bit of a risk. It was a little scary first service, um, but we'll see here. I want you to tell me what we value. Um, 
If, if you've been in it around any, any length of time, there shouldn't be any surprise. We've taken time this summer uh, to sort of simplify how we talk about our values. We've kind of boiled it down into five broad categories. You might not get our exact language right, um, but I want you to tell me what we value. No cheating. You'll find it someplace in your welcome folder, so don't look. See that back there. All right. What do we value? Jesus. You know what, Mitch? Let me just tell you, that was the last thing the first service said, and it was, it was Patrick. <laughs> it was a pastor that had to say it. So, oh, was it Martin? Oh, my bad. All right. Well, Jesus. Good. <laughs> that is an A answer. Okay, what else do we value? God's Word. Absolutely. Yep. Community, for sure. Love community. That was the first thing the first service said. I just want you to know right now you're all my favorite. So I'm going to put that one kind of an asterisk down here. We, we know we're passionate about donuts. It doesn't really fit into a category, though. All right, donuts. I'm with you. Family, absolutely. We value family. The church is made up of a family of families, right? We together are a family, and we're made up of families. What else? The Bible. The Bible, okay, yeah, we got God's Word, so we'll put that. Well, even, you know what, Eli, we'll put you at the very top here, because that is one of our words. What else? Jesus died on the cross, yes. And you know what, Madison? Cross is one of those words, too, so you're, you are dead on. Cross. Candy. I'm going to ignore that one. The city. All right, the city. Somebody's paying attention in uh, Sunday school. So city. Yep. Uh, looks, that's supposed to be a Y. The yoke. All right, somebody's cheating back there, I'm pretty sure. All right, one or two more. Sorry? Discipleship. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, well, all of these, kind of crammed there, all of these fit and, and are, are dead on with the things that we are passionate about. The, the language that we're using, these five words, you can see four of them up there already, um, are all concrete images. We want, we want it to be concrete so we can remember it, so it's, we can talk about it easily with kids. Cross, yoke, Bible, church, and city. We're going to watch a video uh, that's going to sort of help introduce these ideas to us. If God is truly good and just, then he must eradicate all evil and injustice from the world he has made, right? But this leads us to an important question. How can he do so without destroying you and me who are so wittingly and unwittingly complicit in these things? Can we be rescued from our destructive way of life? Can we have a relationship with a truly just God? Christians have always held that what Christ did on the cross makes it possible for God to set the world right without destroying us, and it is what enables us to enter the life that we were designed to live. In short, the cross is shorthand for the message of the gospel. The word gospel is a translation of an ancient Greek word that means good news. 
The gospel is not good advice about what we can do to rescue ourselves. Rather, the gospel is good news about what God has already done to rescue us. The cross is at the heart of the gospel. It is what enables us to live the life we were designed to live. It infuses our work and our recreation with new hope and meaning. It reorders our love. It frees us from our constant need of approval from others because we have the approval of the only one whose opinion ultimately matters, God's. The cross changes everything. One of the most memorable invitations my wife Liz and I ever received arrived in the mail with an embossed envelope that read, The White House, 1500 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C. Our hearts skipped a beat when we realized we were being invited by the president to attend a celebration at our nation's capital, and we responded with an enthusiastic yes, and it wasn't a hard decision. Invitations come in many shapes and sizes, and they make our lives happier for them, but not all invitations are equal. The significance of an invitation is determined not by the kind of paper it's printed on, but the kind of person who is extending to us the invitation. While it is quite extraordinary thing to be invited by a president who is the leader of our country, it is much more extraordinary to be extended a personal invitation by the creator of the world. That this is precisely what Jesus does to you and me and what we at Christ Community refer to as the great invitation. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In his great invitation, Jesus invites us to enter his yoke where we can live the life we were originally designed to live before our lives were broken as a result of sin. The yoke is a metaphorical picture, actually, that Jesus paints for those of us who desire to be his true disciples. While the yoke was often a symbol of enslavement, Paradoxically, Jesus uses it as a symbol of ultimate freedom and the path to spiritual growth and increasing Christ-likeness. The true disciple enters the yoke of Jesus, following his lead, and learns from Jesus just as an apprentice learns from a master craftsman or a resident doctor learns from an established physician. Entering Jesus' yoke is both a decisive act of submission as well as a daily lifestyle of submission. In his yoke, we can experience the life we were designed to live the life we long to live, the life he has now made possible for us to live through his atoning blood on the cross. The cross of Christ leads us to the yoke of Christ. I have always struggled with this book, the Bible. There are parts I don't understand, parts I don't particularly like, and frankly, parts that are just really hard to believe. Now, I've worked through many of my intellectual doubts. Can it be trusted? Yes, I believe it can. But is it really worth it? We all approach this book differently. Maybe you don't believe this is God's word. It's just another book. Or maybe you do believe, at least in theory, but it's not really that important to you. You just sort of pick and choose. For others, though, this book changes everything. It is your life and it is your authority. If there is a God who made us, and if he really does speak to us, what could be more important? The one who loves us, who knows best how our world should work, and who knows exactly what he expects from his creation. He speaks to us. We're desperate for understanding and wisdom, life in the form of words, breathed into these pages by the living God, proclaimed to us. 
God is speaking. Are we listening? As a church, we base everything we are and everything we do on this book. Whether you're a skeptic or believer, come to this book with reverence rather than flippancy. Come with teachability rather than arrogance and look for the God who rescues on every page. This is God's word for you, for me, and for our church. And in these words, we discover what we were created for. God is speaking. Are you listening? Before I became a Christian, the concept of church was a bit confusing to me. Is church a building? Is it a glorified support group? Is it Catholic? Is it Protestant? The word just seemed ambiguous to me. Now, one thing I knew, whatever church was, I didn't want to join one. Obviously, now that I'm a pastor, things have changed. But the way I felt about church as a young man is an increasingly popular sentiment in our culture today. Many people, in fact, remain interested in Jesus, but they want very little to do with his church. Now, the funny thing is, Jesus never allows for this kind of dichotomy. Because when you actually listen to Jesus, you see that the more you want to know and belong to him, the more you must know and belong to his church. That's because the church is Jesus' body, it's his bride, it's his beloved. You simply can't have one without the other. So why do we still hesitate? Well, probably because no church is perfect. There's always a current event in the news, a hypocritical person that we know, or a past pain we can point to that excuses us from moving forward. I don't imagine the blatant imperfections of church to go away anytime soon. That's because every church, though always growing in her identity in Christ, is still full of people who are sinning, who are struggling, and who are broken. Dysfunction happens. But this has never stopped Jesus from loving and nurturing and equipping his church, and it shouldn't stop us either. Because when we're honest, we know if we ever found the perfect church, we couldn't join it because we would ruin it. No matter where you are in your faith journey, Jesus wants you to know him. His design for your life is better than anything the world has to offer. But you cannot find it alone. You need other people. You need the church, and the church needs you. I remember wrestling through how my personal faith intersected with my public life and how gatherings as a body of believers impacted the rest of the week. It was that now what moment in my Christian journey. I remember asking, is the Christian life really only telling my friends about Jesus so they can sing songs with us on Sunday until God takes us away from this messed up and hostile world? I know this question may haunt some of you as well, but there is good news. It's true that God's plan is more all-encompassing than this. The Christian life, as it was designed to be, can not only be about Sunday morning gatherings, but it must also answer how we are to faithfully interact with our fragmented society. Why does God still have us here in this city? And how do I interact with my neighbors, city, and world? As a church, we believe we are to be about both individual transformation and cultural influence through intentional partnerships within our city and world. We know that we are only a church in God's massive plan of redemption. So we've joined strategically placed institutions who are better equipped for this dynamic impact. This doesn't mean that we've shirked our responsibility or are not involved, but rather that means we're joyfully not alone. We learn from and give alongside our brothers and sisters who are uniquely gifted to bring lasting change. So whether you're a new Christian or not, this may be a paradigm shift in how you see your placement in this city. We would love to have you participate in giving of yourself for our neighborhood, city, and world. 
Are you willing to join us? Cross, yoke, Bible, church, city. Start memorizing those, okay? It's going to be a quiz later. And kids, you're actually, uh, many of you are probably ahead of your parents here, right? Some of you kids picked up a, a green bla- bracelet, okay? A few of you, yeah. Those images are right on there, okay? You're ahead of your, ahead of your parents. You're going to have to help them memorize these things. Cross, yoke, Bible, church, city. Well, we want to talk a little bit about uh, these values now, just, just a, a couple minutes on each one, just to help ground us in Scripture here, and also to give us a window into what this looks like for us as individuals, but also how this impacts how we do things as a church. Cross, yoke, Bible, church, city. Well, first, the cross. We believe the finished work of Christ on the cross makes it possible to enter the life we were designed to live. We love the cross. We love the gospel. We love Jesus. The cross is the, is the central theme of this entire book, and it is the very foundation of the church. It ought to be the very foundation of everything that we do in our lives. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3-5, certainly there are a lot of places we could, we could look for this, but Paul gives a great summary here. What the gospel, he says, for I delivered to you as of first importance, first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Christ died on the cross for our sins. For all the, all the pain and emptiness and selfishness that we each experience. He died so that he could destroy uh, the wickedness in our world without also having to destroy me because I'm part of the problem. But the cross frees us. I was talking this past week with our son David, kind of in, in preparation for his first day of kindergarten. He started that on Thursday. And it was before bed, we were just having a little chat, and he, he asked me, Daddy, is everybody mean? It's kind of a good question, right? Especially as you prepare for that big day. And honestly, as a parent, I didn't know how to answer. Because on the one hand, I didn't want to scare him, right? He's got he's to endure. He's already kind of nervous enough. Um, on the other hand, I didn't want to lie to him. Because the truth is, yes. Sometimes, not all the time, son, but sometimes everybody's mean. And, and he responded back to me, he said, because, because everybody's broken? Like, yeah, yeah, David, everybody is broken, but who is going to fix the brokenness? Jesus. He said, just with a, a little smile and a little glimmer in his eye. Because Jesus, the cross, fixes what is broken redeems what is lost, heals what is sick, and brings us back into the right relationship that we were created for from the very beginning with our Heavenly Father, and also right relationship with one another, that the cross impacts every single thing. It is our motivation, our power, our hope, our joy. And what does that mean? I mean, it means if you haven't embraced this message, the message of the cross, the gospel, 
Um, it's got to begin there. To, to give him your life and to begin to experience the transformation that, that he allows through his spirit. And, and if you've done that, the next step is to, to continually, daily, make that the centerpiece of all of your life. The very foundation on which you live, that Jesus died for my sins and gives me life and hope and a future. It ought to transform everything about who we are. Just this past week, I was, I was talking uh, with Pastor Chris about one of our, our middle school students who recently just gave his life to Christ. It's just such an encouraging thing. It's so exciting to, to hear that, to know that that's happening. Or, or last night at our, our baptism service slash pool party, which if you remember, it was like 60 degrees and raining. It was a little bit chilly. Um, but to, to watch is, is about, I think maybe 25 people were baptized from all of our campuses there together celebrating new life and the lives of those who continually are, are being transformed by the cross. It's what we do. Everything centers on the cross. Every message, every activity, every study, everything in our individual and personal lives ought to come back to the cross because the cross changes everything. But we also value the yoke. We believe that we become the people God designed us to be in the yoke of Christ. Because if you've, if you've made that, that first step, you know, you've embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, you quickly realize that there is a, a sizable gap between the life you live and the life that Christ calls us to, right? You probably recognize that. Um, and it, it's, it's frustrating because we, we know how desperately we fall short. Yes, we're, we're forgiven and we rejoice in that, but we're, we're not there yet. But it's in the yoke that we learn to become the people that God has designed us to be. Now, if the cross is a familiar metaphor, we know that, right? We know that metaphor. We have, you know, one right here for us. If that is a familiar metaphor, the yoke is fairly unfamiliar probably to many of us. You may have noticed that we have one hanging in our lobby. It's not because we're out, you know, Western Olathe, right? Country Western. It's because we, we love this metaphor of the yoke. Tom uh, mentioned uh, part of this, he, he read a couple of verses here from Matthew eleven twenty eight. Let me read a little bit of that again. He says, Jesus says, this is Jesus speaking, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Essentially, what, what Jesus is saying there is join your life to mine. Be yoked to me and learn to become like me. Learn to do what I would do if I was living in your shoes. Learn to become like me. It's uh, the idea of discipleship or, or kind of the fancy theological word sanctification, of growing in our faith. Essentially, it's that we learn to say no to selfishness and pride and say yes instead to God. What does that mean for us? On a very basic level, it means that the moment you embrace the cross— the Christian life wasn't over for you. That's just the beginning. And that in the yoke, we continue to put the cross before us and remind us of who God has called and created us to be. And slowly, over time, we are transformed. It also, it also doesn't mean just trying harder. I mean, that's typically what we do, isn't it? Right? When, when we notice that, that gap of, of who Christ has called us to be and who we actually are, we just try harder. Like, I'm not going to do that anymore. 
mean, how's that working out? We're terrible at trying harder. It doesn't work. But what we do instead, we don't just give up. Together, we train better in the yoke of Jesus. And we, we put on this, this yoke, okay? Again, it's, it's a metaphor. If you can kind of picture this image, primarily through practicing the spiritual disciplines, solitude and prayer and Bible study and, and fellowship and celebration and service, that all of these things, these are a picture of what the yoke is for us as we travel with Jesus. And over time, we become more and more like him. As a church, we talk a lot about the yoke. And we call each of us, because we think Jesus calls each of us to live this kind of life. Razor's Edge, uh, which is our discipleship pathway on Wednesdays, uh, starting this fall, is, is designed to help us embrace this yoke, where together we can learn to, to practice these disciplines together and become more of who Christ has called and created us to be. The cross of Christ leads us to the yoke. But we also value the Bible. We believe that the Bible reveals God's design for all of life. Paul writes these words in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete equipped for every good work. So together, we, we believe that these words, these very words have been breathed out by God for us and that they are profitable to us. We benefit from them by their rebuking us when we go the wrong way, by correcting us and putting us on the right path, by training us in righteousness so that ultimately we may be complete, whole. And in such a fragmented world, I long for wholeness. And that here in this book, we find on every page hints of a God who rescues. That he is the centerpiece of this entire story. I, I love what it says in our doctrinal statement. We're part of the Evangelical Free Church of America, and so we share this, this doctrinal statement. Here's one of those points from there. It says, We believe that God has spoken in the Scriptures, both Old and New Testaments, through the words of human authors, as the verbally inspired word of God, the Bible is without error in the original writings, the complete revelation of his will for salvation, and the ultimate authority by which every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be judged. And then I love what it says here. Therefore, it is to be believed in all that it teaches, obeyed in all that it requires, and trusted in all that it promises. Love this book. Read it. Dust it off. Talk about it with your kids. Pour over this book. You know, one of the things that I, I hear most often from newcomers, uh, why they, they love Christ's community, uh, is because we, we teach this book. We take it seriously. That week after week, we, we try to engage with these ancient words and see how they continue to speak into our lives. You know, one of the things that we're going to do uh, this uh, next year, 2013, we're really excited about. It's going to help us with this. 
Obviously, we'll be doing this this fall as well, but 2013, we're setting apart at this whole year to do something a little bit different. On the first Sunday in January of 2013, we're going to start in Genesis 1. That's the, the first chapter of the Bible. Um, and on the last Sunday of 2013, in December, uh, we're going to end in Revelation 22, which is the last chapter of the Bible. And we're going to take 52 Sundays, and we're going to talk through this entire book. Not every passage, obviously, but all the high points, all the, the key stories, the key themes, the, the, the repeating areas that, that come up that show us what this book is ultimately about. Because cover to cover, it is about a God who rescues every single page. So I'm really, I'm really excited about this. It's going to be fun for us, I think, as a church. Um, we're going to have a reading plan as well, a chapter a day. So there's going to be homework, okay? You can handle it, I think. But to help us all together love and embrace this book more fully. This book is our life. Cross, yoke, Bible, and the church. We believe that the primary context in which we are to experience the life God designed is the local church. Local church is God's plan A for bringing redemption to our world. Was it an afterthought? Was not like Jesus said, you know what, I'm done here, I'm going to go back to heaven, you know, chill out a little bit? No. This is what God, from the very beginning, I mean, even in the Old Testament, God calls people to himself to be a voice of redemption and the, the furtherance of his kingdom. That, that is who the church is. The church is, is the bride of Christ. It's a regular metaphor. And even though sometimes we try you can't really love Jesus and hate his wife. It just doesn't work that way. Part of loving him and following him and seeking him is loving his bride. Not every one of us, if we follow Jesus, we are called to be part of a local church, called together, a family of families. And together we, we do what, what Christ would do if he were still here physically with us, that we are his body. It says this lots of places, but let's look at Ephesians 1 just as an example. It says, God put all things under Christ's feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That Christ is the head and we are his body. That means that we as a church, we are designed to be a living organism, but that we are also interdependent. We need one another. We can't, we can't function alone just as, you know, an arm sort of laying off to the side. I mean, a disembodied person is disgusting, right? But often that, that's how we try to live out our faith, separate from one another, Separate from people who also love and follow Jesus, we need one another. We're created for one another. This means that we, we serve one another, we reach out, we pray for one another, we, we give generously. Um, we do anything we can to support one another. We commit together, right, through, through membership so that the kingdom of God may flourish, that we can believe and know that God has called us and that we seek to serve him, to do what he's called us to do. You cannot live the Christian life alone. It just can't be done. And, and we cannot make the difference in our world that we are called to make alone. It just can't be done. But together, 
The possibilities are endless. Like I said in the video, we need the church, and the church needs us. And finally, we value the city. For we believe that we are designed to give ourselves away in our neighborhoods, city, and world. To give ourselves away. As followers of Christ, we are, in many ways, we are citizens of a new creation. The brokenness that surrounds us, it doesn't fit home anymore. We don't belong to this, to this brokenness, and yet, in a very real sense, we are called to this world, to this global city in which we find ourselves. When the people of Israel were led um, into exile, okay, we just, we just talked about this summer as we uh, talked about the, the Old Testament kings, right? Israel ended up in Judah. They were, they were destroyed, and they were led into exile, and as Judah was brought into the city of Babylon, this, this wicked and terrible place, a place where they did not belong, here's what God told them. He said, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. It's the same word there. It's shalom, your your peace, your well-being, your goodness. And do you hear what God tells them? To seek the good of Babylon. I mean, the people who had just taken them captive, left half of them dead, brought them to a place they did not belong. God says, seek their good. Seek their blessing. Because that's, that's where he put them. And friends, God has, God has put us in Olathe or Johnston County. He's, he's put us in Kansas City. He's put us in the U.S. On, on planet Earth. This is our city, our world. And we are designed to give ourselves away on behalf of others. And so together... We, we support gospel work across the globe. You can look at details on this on our website, just, you know, telling others about Jesus, caring for those who, who are hurting. And in Kansas City, we feed the homeless and we tutor the underprivileged. We, we do all kinds of things so we can have these opportunities to continue to proclaim the message of the cross. Even just a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, here as a campus specifically, we um, talked about an initiative that we are forming and, and really have formed with Woodland Elementary. It's just, you know, half a mile from here. Um, even though it may not seem like it, if you drive by that school and look at the, the community, one in four of those families um, are below the poverty line. Cannot, cannot afford school supplies, can't even hardly afford enough food to eat. And so as a church, we, many of you participate in this, we donated a, a small mountain of school supplies uh, for the school to be able to give to those families and, and care for them. And I, I thought as we did that, I just assumed that we wouldn't get any credit for that because that's not why we would do it anyway. We do it because it's the right thing to do, to love our city, to love those kids, those families. Um, but they did. They, they told those families that these things are from Christ Community Church. And, and so this week I got, I got a, fan, uh, a note from one of those families, a single mom. Let me just read it. It's really simple here. But she says, Thank you for the gift that I received from my son from the church. When I enrolled my son to school, I did not have any idea where I would get money to buy him the school supplies. I just lost my job. I'm going through some terrible health, health difficulties. But by the grace of God, I received supplies for him from his school from you. 
May God bless you richly. Thank you. Thank you again, she writes. This is the church. This is what we're called to be and to do, that we together, we love our city, we love our world. Cross, yoke, Bible, church, city. This is who we are. This is what we love. This is what we want everything we do, corporately, individually, to revolve around these things, to to flow out of it, because we together, again, we believe that the local church, as God designed it, is the hope of the world. That's a huge statement. I hope that doesn't sound arrogant to you. I I don't mean it that way. I'm not saying that Christ's community is the hope of the world, okay, that we've got it all figured out but that we as a church, in, in cooperation and in partnership with other churches, that if that is who God has called us to be, we are to bring hope and redemption to our world. I love, I love Christ's community. I love this local expression of his bride. You know, I, I often can't hardly believe that you let me be your pastor. I know some of you struggle to believe that as well, right? Well, tough luck, I guess. But I love it here. And truthfully, even, even though, yeah, sure, there are struggles, there are issues, I don't, you know, always love my job 100% all the time, but even there's nothing I would rather do, no place I'd rather do it. I love this church. I love that I get to serve with you guys that together we are figuring out more of who God has called us to be and who he longs for us to be for the sake of his son, for the good of our community, and for his glory. I'm so excited to see what he's going to do next. Well, Jesus said that he would build his church. And if there's, as much as I love Christ's community, it gives me great hope knowing that Jesus loves her more. I mean, she is his wife after all. And that he will continue to give us what we need to seek after him. So I, I want to close just with three questions here and then a, a story at the end. But three questions just for us all to sort of ponder and wrestle with together as we think about these things this week. First of all, are these values your values? Because again, even though we've talked about these things as a, as a church, if you are a follower of Jesus, if that is who you long to be, that these five things, Cross Yoke Bible Church City, ought to characterize everything. I mean, young and old, right? Kids, in your, in your school, with your friends, and for, for all of us at, at work and our hobbies, that these ought to define us. Cross Yoke Bible Church City. Second, do you love his bride, the church? Do you, do you love this place? I mean, for, for the sake of how he's created us to need one another, to depend on one another, to serve one another, do you love this place? And third, and really this is just a, a call for all of us. So many of us are already right here, but third, will you join? Will you continue to join with us and making Christ's community more beautiful and more effective? Will, will you continue to give your time, talent, treasure, right? Okay, all those things are important. To serve one another, to care for one another. Will you pray for us? Pray for your church. Pray for your leaders. Pray that we would be able to honor Christ 
We've been, we've been so blessed. I mean, in 23 years, we've, we've not had any sort of scandal or, you know, issue like that. We see so many of those so often. We never have. But pray that that would continue. That's, that's by the grace of God. Ask Him to keep us safe. And will you, will you invite others to join us as well? And I know so many of you, you you're doing all of these things. Again, that's, that's part of the reason why I love this place so much is you all make it so easy to love. Serving one another, loving one another, giving generously, caring for each other, inviting people to join us, telling others about Jesus. It's such a great joy to be able to see those things. Thanks for being the church. It's exciting to see this, this lived out. And, and this past week, I, I received an email um, uh, from a family uh, who, when they first arrived at Christ Community a couple years ago, were a little bit jaded, we'll just say, okay? Disillusioned by the church, distant, um, but sort of curious. They'd grown up in this environment, but didn't want anything to do with it, and they ended up walking through our doors. I asked her to kind of write a little bit about that. Here's what she said. She says, having grown up with very different pasts, my husband and I were both on a journey to find out exactly what Christ should really mean to us. Christ's community quickly became a place we were both drawn to, bringing God's word and a light to light in a way that actually made sense in today's world. I would walk away each Sunday excited to talk to someone about the message and how to apply God's direction in my life. I arrived here, okay, she's kind of going back a little bit, questioning my faith altogether, and I had quit attending church. But I started to get excited about church once again. My husband was also seeing some of those big questions being addressed in a manner that wasn't threatening or hypocritical, and instead of being turned off from church, he found he too was being drawn to God's message week after week. Our journey landed us in Razor's Edge. Again, that's our discipleship thing on Wednesdays, where God's word just continued to come together for us. The burden I had been carrying around for years was finally starting to lift. She goes on and she, she talks about the, the joy of being in a, in a women's Bible study here as well and the community that she experienced. And, and then she begins to, to talk about her kids. She says, another gift a parent can only ask for was happening before my eyes. My children have fallen in love with Christ's community too. My kids love to to come to church, and believe it or not, don't always associate it with donuts. My daughter, on her own decision, was baptized while attending Kids Renaissance. Our our five-year-old twins are beginning to understand the cross, and now as a 13-year-old, my daughter loves her youth group. When it was mentioned in a recent sermon that, that youth need five people to know their name, I started counting in my head and easily came up with five people who talked to my daughter in our church. I love that. Just recently, my daughter told me that if there was anything that would keep her in this community as she grows up, it would be her church. She loves it. And she concludes with this. She says, life has been eventful for our family and we have not been immune to life's struggles like job loss, financial difficulty, relationship struggles, etc. But through, all, through it all, the one constant in our family is how much we all love our church. This is who we are. All of us together. 
This isn't about any one person other than Christ. This is about who God has made us, called us, created us to be here in this place. And these are the things that we value most. May the Lord Jesus Christ be praised. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you so much for your many blessings. God, I am so thankful that as a senior in high school, I walked into these doors. I began to experience the love of Christ and the beauty of your bride through Christ's community. God, I can't believe that I get to to serve here now and work here. What a joy. God, I thank you that you have called so many of us together in this place. Help us to serve you. Help us to to learn to be selfless, to, to grow in our faith with you. God, I pray that we would see more and more people coming to faith in Jesus. God, and that we together, we would experience transformation in our, in our lives, in our workplaces, at our school. God, that you would transform our marriages and our families. And God, so much heartache and pain that we all bring here. God, that you would continue to do your big work of redemption through your church. And God, we pray that in all of these things, God, and this morning at, at each of our campuses, that it wouldn't be about anything but you, Lord Jesus, and your great glory. And that we would see that displayed in such a way and together celebrate what you have done and that you would be all to us. We ask this for the sake of your great name, for you are our redeemer. Amen. Thank you.